In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I guess you can say it's part two of a two-part series. If you missed the first part, check it out. We talked about the biggest risers on Richard Stamen's draft board. And now we got to talk about the guys who have fallen. So stay tuned to find out guys who have slipped a little bit in Richard's draft board. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Richard Stamen. And we just want to thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Thank you for supporting the podcast all year long. 2024 is going to be even bigger and better. But before we get into this episode, I want to talk to you about Prize Picks, because Prize Picks is the sponsor of this episode, and it is the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA, but it has to be all lowercase L O C K E D O N NBA. And you can get a first deposit match up to $100. All right. Like I mentioned in the open, we talked about the biggest risers. We mentioned Jackson Robinson. We talked about Donovan Dent. We talked about Dalton Connect. We talked about six guys. So this episode, we're going to talk about some guys whose draft stock has slipped. And it could be for various reasons, but Richard is here to explain that. All right. So the last episode, like I said, we talked about your risers. Who's the guy that, I mean, is it fair to say is like the, the biggest disappointment for you as far as like their draft stock and how it, how it, had, how it has slipped since the start of the season? Yeah, for me, it's Riley Kugel. Um, you know, both of us saying yeah. his praises. I think we were both expecting him to be the number one sophomore this year and just has not happened. His shot looks worse. He's not producing. Like, it looks like he hit a sophomore slump, and it's it's wild. Like, I, I think he's a second-round prospect at best at this point. Yeah, man. He's a guy that I think he should have – I mean, looking back at it, I mean, of course – you know, you can say it's easy to say now, but it looks like he should have just rolled the wave that he had last year. I mean, he finished really strong at the end of the year. I did have a little bit of concern how he's going to fit in with the new guards that they brought in. And so last year when he really like took off, it was like his team, Colin Castleton was out and he had the keys. And I mean, he's struggling, like really struggling. 38% from the floor, 26 percent from three i mean the turnovers are, are still high i mean I just, it just looks like he made a mistake by coming back to school and it, it's still time for him to turn it around but I, I can say that i agree with you that he has been one of the bigger disappointments this year yeah i mean for me it's just like how did this happen like <laughs> Some of the stuff I get, you're changing his mechanics and stuff. You want to correct some stuff, but like his shot just, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to see it in person, but it just looks worse. I don't know if you've seen the same thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can look and see. I mean, his last game, he was two for 10. He has missed yeah. his last 15 threes. And over three game stretch, he's missed his That's last rough. 15 threes. And he's only scored like 17 points in his last three games. Then if you want to take it back to four games, it might be like 23 points over his last four games. Like he's really struggling and in a slump, but he had two, he had like a 25 point game, a 24 point game where I thought, okay, he was turning the corner, 
and he's just been inconsistent this year. I mean, he has three games of over 23 points, and then he has at least five games, four or five games under five points. Like it, it's just been, it's just been a disappointing season to say the least. Yeah, and I, I hope like conference because some guys do get better as conference play rolls in. Maybe he's one of them. That's his only way to really revive his stock. I just don't know how likely it is. Yeah, I mean, conference plays, it's it can get tougher too. I mean, we've seen yep. guys that yep. that their I mean their draft stock is high on January first, and then you get those conference games where you're not able to pad your, your stats against like directional schools and small schools that we've never heard of in those money games. And and the pressure's on. So he's he's one of the guys that I'm I'm hoping can turn the corner because I was really high on him. I was really high on him. I probably was the highest on him. I know I had him in the top 10 coming into the season. And now, I mean, he's not even, I don't even know if he's locked to be drafted. That That's how, how much of a struggle it's been for him this year. So who's, who's next on your list of guys whose draft stock has, has plummeted. Yeah. I'm going to go with some of the low hanging fruit here. Um, Ethan Almanza. I mean, he just, he not only doesn't look like a good fit on the ignite, but like he still looks passive. No, like all the stuff we saw from the exhibitions have been completely true this year. I, I just I like him and he's decorated. Like I liked his international career, but how far do we stray off of the G League scout? Because like the stuff there is alarming. Yeah, he had a good game tonight. Sixteen points, fourteen rebounds, and seven of ten shooting. I mean, I've had some some concerns there. I mean, just the whole Ignite situation is a mess in a sense. It's like they got off to a bad start. Then they won like four out of six. Then I think they've lost like three or four in a row. He was someone that, you know, I mean, I've said it for the past few months. He was just a difficult evaluation for me because when I look at him, I see a guy. I don't think he's really athletic enough to be like your vertical lob threat even though he's a good athlete but I don't think he's like that level of athlete he's not strong enough at least at this point but he's not strong enough to be a five he's not I don't want to say he's not skilled but he's he's not what I see a four a modern day NBA four is so I think he's like a tweener in 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 a negative way and he is heavily reliant on having a really good point guard. So on one hand, I'm like, he doesn't have that situation with the Ignite. So do I penalize him because he doesn't have that with the Ignite? Because they don't have someone that is is able to get him those easy touches, you know, like when he's rolling. He had that in Spain. And that's why he won three MVPs in the FIBA tournament. And then he had it with Pargo at the beginning of the year in the in the G League showcase. Pargo was looking for him. I thought they did an excellent job of making sure that he was on the court with Pargo to get the best out of him. Now, like, I mean, I don't know if London Johnson is really, you know, the setup guy that's going to maximize Almanza. Norris Cole is, is more so looking for his shot first. So I think he's going to be a really, really tough tough evaluation for teams because like I said he's a tweener that is heavily dependent on a really good point guard and he's just not going to have that this year then the shooting touch 
which a lot of people were hoping he showed flashes of it. That hasn't looked good. And last I checked, he was at like 38% from the foul line. So I have real concerns about his shooting touch outside of, what, 10 feet? Because around the rim, he has really good touch, especially on the move. I mean, it's just he's, he's just confusing to me. Yeah, he's one of the weirdest players because the context is so bad, but we've seen that when the context is good, he plays as good as the context is, right? Like if you put him on Detroit, I think his flaws come out, for example, much more quickly than if you put him in, I don't know, like, I don't know, just a better spot for him, right? That has a real point guard, like that has the foundation. I don't know. He's tough for me. He's he's somebody that I just, what do you make of his draft stock? Like, I just don't know where to go in that direction. Especially like right now, and I don't think it's going to get easier in the next six months. To me, the perfect team for him is the Clippers. To me, that's the perfect team because, I mean, I wouldn't say he'd be a starter, but he'd be with someone that would find him on the roll. Like Harden would make him look good. So, I mean, maybe like a Harden, Luka. I mean, I think he needs to be with a special high IQ playmaker that knows how to manipulate defenses and and, and find them. Other than that, he goes to the wrong team. He is in He's in trouble. He's in, he's in big trouble. So I, I agree that I think he's he's lost a lot of money, almost to the point where, man, I'm probably going to do a podcast on it later on, but he's one of a few guys that I feel like would have been better off staying overseas than, than playing in the States. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, because, I mean, that, like I said, the Ignite situation isn't isn't really good for, for anybody right now. All right, when we return, we're going to continue to – discuss guys whose draft stock has has seemed to fall but they still have time to to regain their draft stock let's talk about prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy you just pick two to six players and you just go against the numbers that is it you're not playing against anybody you're just going against the stat projections and what i like about prize picks that is totally different is that prize picks offers a reboot policy so your entries can stay in play even if one of your players gets injured so for nba game if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second the player gets rebooted and prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance policy so you got to check out prize picks the money comes out fast it's easy to play they have an enormous selection of players and stat types and that's why it's the daily, it's the number one daily fantasy sports app. So check it out, prizepicks.com. But if you use the promo code locked on NBA, and if it's an all lowercase, you can get a first deposit match up to $100. So check it out, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. You can get a first deposit match up to $100. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. So check out Locked On Sports today. It is here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts from Locked On, plus our national shows that cover every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, second segment. Hopefully my voice can hold up. I don't know what's been going on. It's been in and out for the past... I mean, I guess since I went on that safari, 
and I slept in a tent outside. My voice is, I don't know what's going on, but hopefully I can uh, I can uh, finish this episode strong. All right. So we talked about Riley Kugel. We talked about Ifan Almanza. Who's another player you feel like his draft stock has has dropped a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Tyrese Proctor. I, I just, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Uh, excuse me. I can't talk now. I'm absolutely <laughs> I mean, it stunned. Is, that... It is late. It is late. <laughs> yeah. I'm stunned that he is not better. Like he's one point a game better than he was as a freshman last year. The whole, the whole argument my, from myself included was, look, he reclassified this year's his easy breakout year, even with the guards that are with Roach and Caleb Foster, like he'll be fine. He'll still be able to be more efficient in his touches. That's not been the case. He He just hasn't, taken a jump i don't know if he's just somebody we have to be a little bit more patient with and that he's going to do it as a junior or senior whereas we wanted it to be a sophomore i just haven't seen it like the shot looks better outside of that is there anything else that i can really write home about probably not some of the playmaking i guess but decision making has been great yeah 4.5 like, assists per game to one turnover i haven't seen good. a 4.5 assist to turnover ratio in a long time. I mean, I just think he projects to be a good backup point guard now. I mean, I think we wanted him to be better because the size and the flashes of, of, of shot making and so on. But I think right now he just looks like he's going to be a rotation player, a big backup point guard that can run the offense. I, I'm more disappointed in, in the shooting because I know last year he got off to such a terrible start from three. And then he he was strong at the end of the season, but I felt like, okay, the shooting percentage on paper didn't necessarily reflect him as a shooter because he got off to such a terrible start. And then the whole reclass thing, on one hand, it sounds good, but if you think about it, he's really with his right grade. It wasn't like he was 17 or or turning 18. So I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. But I just think at this point, you, you say, all right, he's he's a big guard. He's a good decision maker. He can initiate or, or run the offense for the second team. And if he ends up being a, a more reliable shooter, which is fair because he's a good foul shooter, you may have something there. But, yeah, I mean, just as far as, like, the the, the flashes that he showed last year, haven't really – I haven't seen the same flashes this year. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the flashes, right? Like it's just hasn't been that crazy. Yeah, I mean, I what was the game? Was it Tennessee last year, the NCAA tournament? Yep. yep. That's when I was like, okay, this this guy is this is tough. But I remember making the comment that I thought he may have had the highest upside out of all the players on Duke's team last year because of the size, the playmaking, the shooting. And the shot creation, and um, it's going to be hard to pass Lively because I think Lively's going to be. I mean, he's. I mean, Lively's going to. He's going to be really good for a long time because he came into the right situation. All right, who's next? Yeah, so for me, I got Justin Edwards. Uh, he's somebody I liked throughout EYBL. Thought the explosion looked a little bit better in high school, but his lack of ball handling, his lack of shooting, and just like his defense is probably. I'd say it's like good but just not having a hat to hang on to for offense is really really showing and in, in every stat packs all of that up the three-point percentage and free throw percentage are bad 
he has more turnovers than assists. Like all of that adds up. And I to me, I just how is it like yeah, he's six eight, he's athletic. I don't buy the shot. And he's how an older freshman. This? And and also that, yeah, he is an old freshman. How are you making that work in the NBA? I, I just have a hard time. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the guy that I thought was number one. Talking about someone that was projected top five at the minimum. I don't see a situation where he's a lottery pick. I mean, I can even see a situation where he's not even a first round pick because you can't like watch his film. Even even if you strip away, let's say the hype, right? Let's just say you don't know who he is and you watch Kentucky play. You can't even say, wow, he does this well. Like you said, the ball handling. And it's crazy because what I liked about him was I thought that he did so many things well. Like I didn't think that he had something that really, really stood out, but I thought he did everything well to where he can rebound, he can pass a little bit. I thought he was a respectable shooter. I just thought that he was a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but now it doesn't even look like he's a (laughs) – he doesn't even look like a jack-of-all-trades. He doesn't look like he has one, like you said, skill set that he can hang his hat on Hopefully it improves during conference play, but I mean, I mean, just we're talking about a guy that the field goal percentage looks good, forty six percent, but a lot of his points are like offensive rebound putbacks and cuts. If you take those away, I can't even tell you what the percentage is because he's shooting like twenty six percent from three, only seventy one percent from the foul line. He is rebounding. I, I just don't know what he does. Do you think? I mean, you know, at Kentucky, you're supposed to sacrifice. Do you think he is the one that is being penalized the most for for sacrificing for Kentucky? Uh, I mean, what's he sacrificing? I mean, well, you know, I wonder if he goes to, let's say he goes to Vanderbilt or something like that, where he's featured and they probably run stuff through him because he's there star recruit does he look better is he put into a position where he can show his strength i actually think it would make him look worse i think he's in a decent spot where it should have been easy for him like that's what's concerning is his role is pretty simple right where all he has to do is just get to the rim whether it's off of cuts or one dribble and hit threes he's fine on the cuts and finishing at the rim like that that's an okay area but I mean, I do, he's a guy where, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast the last year and a half, I'm optimistic on almost every off-ball player and saying, hey, they can get there in two two dribbles. I'm not with him, and that's what worries me. So yeah. I just, I don't know what he sacrificed. I, I think he's in a great spot where his role is as easy as it gets, and he's struggling. Well, he's only playing 24 minutes per game. Yeah. So I think if he goes to another situation – because um, I, I do think there's some of these guys, they'd be better off going to a power five school, a mid-level team at a power five school where you can be featured and you can show your stuff at Kentucky. I think for him, the shooting was going to be so important because they have so many other guys that have the ball in their hands, whether it's Wagner. I mean, we knew Wagner was going to have the ball in his hands. I'm, I'm surprised that at, at Dillingham because I, I had my concerns, not about his talent. I, I never was concerned about his talent. I was just concerned about 
was he going to have the freedom? And so you you look at Edwards, and if he's not a shooter, and I mean it's weird because you can't. He hasn't shown that he can handle the ball either, so it, it's tough. But I I do think that if he goes to another school where he's like featured, I I think that he would look better. But I I just wonder how much he's sacrificing because he's only had four games where he took over double figure shot attempts. Four games, and two of them came in the first two games of the season. He had the 0 for 6 stinker against against Kansas. And so I just wonder, like, would he look better with more value? But either way, it, it's not an excuse for how, how he's looked. And I think that um, he's probably – I mean, I, I think his draft style – he's lost the most money, I should say, in, in this draft because he going from mention to possibly number one to – I don't even know if he's a lot to be a first-round pick. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens come draft night with him because he's somebody where it goes, okay, we expected him to be lottery. Like, whether or not – he, I feel like he was the guy we looked at, like Cam Radish, where we were like, no matter what happens with this season, he's probably in a lottery. Now I'm looking at him, he's not in my top 30. Like, I, I'd i be shocked if he's in a lot of NBA teams' top 30s. But all it takes is one, so. All right, before we get into the last segment, let's talk about FanDuel because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, if you're a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's not a better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. It's funny about the Cambridge comparison. They're both guys with, with clutch. It's so, um, I was, and I've, I've mentioned it before. I was a big Cam Reddish guy, huge Cam Reddish guy until I went to the under 19s in 2017 in Egypt. And I saw him play against RJ Barrett, and RJ had like 39. And I was like, this is the guy that people are saying is the best. I mean, at one point, people said Cam Reddish was, um, even NBA players talk about how great he was. And Cam is, I mean, even now, like he's having his best year in a sense, as far as like with the Lakers and playing. And even now, his numbers are not good. Like he's not efficient at all. I, I don't even think he's shooting 30% from three. I'm going to pull it up right now. He's averaging seven points, 40% from the floor, and 30% from three. And there's people that, I mean, he still has people that believe that he needs yeah. a, a good fit. And so without that being said, I could see Justin Edwards having a Cam Reddish type career. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where like Cam is the most theoretical player in the league right now, where it's like, oh, if he just gets this, that's that's theoretical. That's going to be Justin Edwards, I feel like, as well. Yeah, I mean, Cam is on his, what, fourth team? Fourth team? I mean, they're they're playing him. He's he's getting minutes. He's starting, and he's shooting 
like I said, below 40%. But yeah, Justin Edwards could could end up being someone that is drafted based off of his high school hype and struggles and then ends up, you know, like being on an NBA rotation because he's a, a decent wing defender and the league is starved for athletic wings at six seven or six eight that can that can defend. So great comparison. Kind of went on a a little rant about Justin Edwards and comparing him to Cam Reddish. Who else has has um seen their draft stock fall in your opinion? Yeah. So I'll start with somebody who I still think has a very good chance to turn it around, but he started off slow in his junior year after killing it at the combine. And that's Trey Alexander, 41% shooting 28% from three. The scoring volume has taken a jump. And so is the playmaking, but his turnovers went up. Like the field goal percentage went down. I'm waiting for his jump. I, I, I'm hesitant to even have put him in this, but like out of conference, he should have been better. You know, that, that, that's fair because and I guess I haven't I haven't paid attention maybe like the last week or so, but looking back at it, you see like dang, the efficiency is is down. And so I mean I'm looking at his last few games. He had uh man, he had a two for thirteen game. That and he has he's had a one for sixteen game and a two for thirteen game. He's had a game where he's over five from three. One for six from three, one for six from three. So he's had like three games that have heavily, heavily, heavily impacted impacted his stats. So do you think that he can, I mean, because like I said, his his numbers are heavily weighted by, by a couple games. Do you think that he can get those percentages back up in the Big East play? Yeah, I think so. There's some, there's some real chances in the Big East. Uh, I think he can easily revive himself but it's just like one of those things again he didn't play enough great prospects and teams he should have been dominant in more of those games he had a good game against alabama a couple couple um couple weeks ago he had 22 points he had a 16 point game against against villanova but yeah like some of the the non-conference games it's it's mostly i would say like um Loyola, Chicago, three for 10, Colorado State, one for 16. And then he had a six for 17 game against Nebraska, five for 13 against Central Michigan. So you're you're right. I mean, two for 13 against UNLV. I mean, he's had some some really like hot and cold nights this year. But I, I do think conference play is going to determine where he goes in the draft. But what was your draft range for him? Best case scenario anyway. Because he's a, he's a hardy he valve for me. I thought he could play himself into the top 20 very, very easily. I mean, probably even higher in this class, putting him in the lottery. I mean, he left the combine on a very high note. He measured extremely well. I just, I think if he shoots a high percentage from three again, we're looking at a guy who measures well, can probably play multiple positions because of it in theory, can shoot, can pass. Like, that's a pretty ideal guard. But yeah, he's he's like at eighty one percent for from the foul line over right, you know, three years or not, well, two and a half years, so about eighty eighty four games. But he was twenty eight percent from three as a freshman, forty one as a sophomore, twenty eight now. So it's kind of like which which one is he? That's what it's going to be hard for teams to figure out. 
Yeah, and that's something I think we'll see really in the conference play come out. Yep. All right, who's the, the next prospect on your list? Yeah, this will be the last one, actually. I Actually, I got two. They're kind of tied together, both Spanish players. Um, Ade Mara and Baba Miller. I mean, I know you're not a Baba Miller fan, but Ade Mara has been super underwhelming. Uh, part of it is that him and Adem Bonas probably not the best fit, but also probably. he's just I mean, lost. Like, yeah, I never understood that. Never understood that from the beginning. Like, on one hand, I could see, okay, you're coming from another country. UCLA is recruiting you. And then you go to UCLA, you see, you know, the campus is beautiful. The palm trees is LA. But you got to pay attention to the fit. You have to pay attention to to the fit. And it's 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 been an awful fit. He looks lost, like you said, physicality. But I was not super high on him anyway. <laughs> As a passer, yeah, I, I think he is a phenomenal passer. But I didn't think that he could score in the low post. I mean, he has a high center of gravity, so it's easy to push him out of his spots. I mean, he's all legs. You just put a forearm in, in, in his back, and you can push him out. You, know, you can push him to the three-point line in a sense. I know he has touch and he can shoot a little bit, but I didn't think it was good enough to make up for his lack of you know, just for his lack of low post scoring. And then I feel like defensively, he was blocking shots strictly because of his size, not because he's like very good at timing and so on. But as you can see in college basketball, he's facing really good athletes and people aren't really intimidated by his size. If anything, people are more so trying to like go at him because of his size. You can see where he's where he struggled. And then Baba Miller, I just... I don't know, man. He's, as my brother calls him, a permanent potential guy. He's going to get drafted high because somebody's going to just say, hey, he's a project. We don't see guys that are 6'11", that, that can move like like he does, but he just doesn't have any assertiveness in him. He, he got a pass last year because of the whole suspension thing. But this year, I mean, he's averaging seven points per game, 42.9% from the foul line. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, just a point on each and then we can close it out. I mean, dude, like Baba Miller didn't even show any flashes last year. You look at Sharif Cooper, right? He came back from the suspension and dropped one of like an insanely impressive game. We saw so many of those flashes and we never just saw it like it, the suspension kind of lost its merit to me when I was like, OK, his best game is maybe 10 points. Like he never had those big games. And then with Mara, I mean, the notes I had on him were, look, bro, you're seven, three in college basketball. You got to be a tree or a wall, whatever you want to call it at the rim. Instead of just like, he's gambling for everything. He's swiping, he's jumping. He's got to be better at that. And then also he doesn't rotate well. And he just doesn't, he doesn't look like he knows how to play as a seven, three big in college basketball like that. You watch him versus Zach Eady using their size, and it is night and day difference. Yeah, and and, and like I said, I, I had it. Uh, I think it was an episode with my brother. I was like, man, there are people who still have Mara ahead of Zach Eady, and I'm like, I don't care where you're at in the world, what league you're in, Zach Eady would eat him for lunch and spit him out. Like, there's there's not a situation where he's better than Zach Eady. And I know you can say, uh, you know, some people say, well, Zach Eady 
and defend in space and you know in, in this pace and space era he he wouldn't be good in NBA I'm like well you can't tell me that Mara would be any better so it's like why is he ahead of Zach Eady on anybody's draft board yeah I mean I completely agree yeah he he might have been better off staying in Spain but Baba Miller I mean he had a game I think it was against North Carolina where he you know, you saw like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he turned a corner. But even in that game, he did absolutely nothing as far as just like, I, mean, I guess he had four rebounds. But I think the difference between him and Sharif Cooper, and I say this all the time, if you're a small guard, you always have to prove that you can play. You have a different mentality. You have to like have an extra level of competitive fire, an extra level of like dog and assertiveness in you when you're six eleven and skilled you have to prove to people that you can't play and baba miller is gonna have to prove to people that he can't play he's gonna average he may not average eight points a game this year he may i mean he could have the same numbers throughout the rest of the season and somebody's gonna take him in the first round and, and tell him prove us to prove to us that you cannot play so I think that's why there was such a big difference in him and Sharif when coming in midway through the season and how they have totally, totally different impacts and mindsets. Yep, completely agree. Yep. Would you draft him? No, neither of them. <laughs> Just, I mean, look, if, if you're taking calculated risks, find guys that have better feel for the game at the same age. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Thank you for listening once again. Thank you for making this your, your first listen of the day. Thank you for supporting us all year round. Just dropped two episodes for you. Stay tuned for some future episodes coming up. we got some mock drafts to do. I think it's about fair and time to do some mock drafts and big boards. I'm really not too big on doing them. I mean, I like to do one before the season I don't like doing them like a week into the season, two weeks into the season, but I think right now the sample size is big enough to do some big boards and mock drafts. So stay tuned for those coming up within the next week or so. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen, and we are out.